doublespeak. It's a term I hadn't heard in a very long time until Vladimir Putin made his speech, gave his order, and Russia invaded Ukraine. As one American general put it, this is the largest military action in Europe in 75 years. At the time of Christ, people in the Roman world carried tear bottles to carry their grief. Olesia is a Christian broadcaster in eastern Ukraine. We've had her on the air already grieving for the last time Russia invaded when she had to flee and four colleagues at Far East Broadcasting left their Christian station, were abducted and martyred. Now she's fled again with her children and husband. We're in Slavyansk, leaving home. Um, it's 6.07. Here's my husband. This is my home. Um, our cats, our children, and <laughs> here we go. Even held captive. David wrote in Psalm 56, You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. This I know. God is on my side. Welcome to Haven Today, here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're wrapping up a series today called What We Need to Know About Prayer. It seemed like just minutes after Vladimir Putin's announcement of a military exercise across the border that explosions were heard all over Ukraine including the capital, Kyiv. Make no mistake, this is a full-scale Russian invasion into Ukraine happening right now. Hi there, hi there, John. Yeah, those streaks that you're seeing up there in the sky, I don't know how we can see exactly right now. You can see more artillery rockets apparently be firing from Russian territory towards the territory, I would say, around Kharkiv. I don't know if you can hear this right now. Harrowing scenes recorded all over Ukraine and posted on Twitter. Families fleeing their homes as dear husbands have been drafted into the army. World leaders announcing strict sanctions against Russia, even as more tanks, more planes, more missiles blitzed into the country. But not everyone is leaving. And I want to ask every one of you, please pray for us. This is a It's really scary. Мы хотим, чтобы в нашей стране был мир. Я не хочу прятаться в бомбоубежищах. И это очень серьезно. Большое вам спасибо. His name is Igor, speaking in Ukrainian, and Emma, his wife, translating into English. He's a Christian broadcaster with Far East Broadcasting, and he said they will not leave. You can hear Emma break down in tears, even as their children were sleeping in their bedrooms. It is heartbreaking to see a nation fall into war. All I know is that this breaking news from Ukraine reminds me all the more. The time for prayer is now. the great and almighty protect our beloved Ukraine bless her with freedom and light of your holy race the song is simply called prayer for Ukraine I just read the opening lyrics in English the melody is stirring the lyrics are even sobering and they're a good reminder 
that all of us need to pray to our God, who is great and almighty. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Sergei Rukuba, the president of Mission Eurasia. He is a Ukrainian, and he's going to give us an update on what's happening in his country and how we can better pray for the situation there. He's also going to lead us in prayer. After the program, I want to invite you to visit haventoday.org and read our new blog post called Live Faith Updates, Russia and Ukraine. We're updating it regularly with stories from Christians in the area, videos, audio interviews, breaking news. This is a great place to help you better pray for Ukraine and also Russia. Check it out at haventoday.org. And now, let's open with a song that's more of a prayer for people everywhere living in this broken world. The song is simply called Prayer for Ukraine. I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today and what we need to know about prayer. Yesterday, on the first full day of the invasion, I caught up with a longtime friend of mine, Sergei Rakuba. He's the president of Mission Eurasia. Sergei, you are from Ukraine yourself, and you have many on your team living there. So give me a quick update about what's happening. Yeah, thank you so much, Charles, for your call and for giving an opportunity to talk to your listeners and uh, just give an idea of what's happening now on the ground. Uh, nobody expected that Russia will go that far, actually attacking major cities and moving troops inland, uh, taking over villages, destroying infrastructure, and disrupting the life of peaceful, peaceful people. We have a team there in Ukraine. Our main ministry headquarters is based in Kyiv, in the capital of Ukraine, and we have several ministry hubs along the borders in eastern Ukraine and the southern, uh, southern eastern U- uh, Ukrainian territories. So we made a decision to mobilize uh, uh, all the possible uh, what we can to evacuate them. And now as we speak, 25 families of our uh, staff uh, and uh, our colleagues uh, from those ministry hubs are on their way looking for a more safe place in Western Ukraine and really hope, you know, so that they will be able to uh, cross the border to Poland where uh, it's uh, reported, you know, so that Poland uh, uh, opens an opportunity for uh, receiving refugees and providing help them there. Speaking of people needing help, what's happening with your team as well as churches in Ukraine and how can we better pray for them? Yeah, uh, when the things started kind of uh, uh, becoming obvious that Russian uh, 
imminent invasion will happen. Uh, so the evangelical church in Ukraine, which is the stronger hub for evangelical ministries in all the countries of the former Soviet Union, uh, started getting ready, mobilizing all their spiritual, emotional, physical leadership resources uh, to make sure that they minister to their nations, their communities, their families uh, in a time like this. So when I see and I'm talking to my colleagues, my uh, friends, pastors, you know, there all the time. I see how much the evangelical church is mobilized at this time. And despite of all the fear, yes, they are in fear. There is some sense of panic, you know, in their communities, but the church is staying strong. Churches are packed now with families that are looking for a safe place, a refuge place, uh, hiding from those shellings, you know, bombings. And as we speak now, Russian helicopters are targeting uh, 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 military infrastructure in the suburbs of the key capital of Ukraine, Kiev, and other major cities. So the church becomes the center where they communicate hope and the gospel, where they help people. Church becoming like those uh, lighthouses in their communities. And that's, uh, you know, we need to continue praying. The church is strong, but they need our help there. As we speak now, we're mobilizing places farther in Western territories in Ukraine, uh, so where we can uh, uh, arrange uh, humanitarian aid and relief, you know, being gathered together, packed, and offered to refugee families that are streaming that area. And the church becoming one of the main entities in the Ukrainian community today, uh, responding to this crisis, responding to this war in physical help and also spiritually. So the church is strong, but they need our help. They need our prayers. They need our financial support to help them to continue preaching the gospel amid this crisis, amid this terrible war was imposed onto them by Russia. Sergei Rakuba with Mission Eurasia. Thanks for sharing with us. And please stay around. I'd like you to lead us in prayer in a few minutes. You're listening to Haven Today. My name is Charles Morris. What we need to know about prayer. In just the past two days, so much has been lost. Our sense of peace, our sense of security. So we pray. We pray for all those in Ukraine who have lost homes and family. We pray for all those in Russia who are looking on with horror as their country's leader plunges them into a war. We pray. And in the midst of all this, we pray that the Lord's people will be strengthened, that they will stand for truth and what is right. But sometimes it's hard to pray when we face really tragic situations. Author Nancy Guthrie, who lives in Nashville, understands this. She and her husband lost two infant children and asked her if she would be willing to talk to me about the Lord and how the Lord ministered to her in those hard times, and it helped her understand prayer better. You know, in the midst of loss, I found it really hard to pray. And I felt at times really guilty that so many people were praying for us and I could hardly form the words. I hardly knew what to ask for at times in the midst of the loss of two of our children. And that's when I felt so grateful to know that what we read in the scriptures is really true. And that is sometimes, sometimes in the midst of loss, our prayers are just groans. Mm -hmm. And that we're, t we're assured that the spirit is praying for us when we don't have the words. Mm. 
But I think the key thing there, Charles, is that our groans are groaned heavenward. In the midst of loss, we, we have some choices. We can, we can turn away from God because we're angry with him. We're not, we resent that he didn't answer our prayers, maybe the way that we had hoped to. Mm-hmm. He would. But the other choice, and I think this is what the Psalms provide us with, with words for, is to turn to him and say, in prayer, to look to him rather than away from him, but to look to him and say, I don't understand. I read in the scriptures where it says that you're good and that you are in charge of all things. And I have to say to you, God, I feel like I'm in the dark and I can't see it. I I, I can't see my way forward. So I'm so grateful to read here in Psalm 139, where you say, even the dark will not be dark to you. Or I read in Psalm 23 that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am sure that you are with me. And so, Lord, I'm not expecting that you're going to make everything perfectly clear or even acceptable to me in a moment, but I am so grateful to know you are with me. And so I'm going to look to you and lean into you in prayer, even in these dark times, and just relish the reality that you are speaking to me, which says that you are with me even here and that this dark place is not dark to you. Prayer in the Midst of Loss. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing with us once again about the importance of prayer, even in very difficult times. And if you need some help, better understanding how to pray, I want to send you what's really a picture book called What Every Child Should Know About Prayer. It is easy to read. It is biblically inspired. It will give kids all the essential tools to help them learn how to pray. But you know what? My wife and I are going through it right now, and it's helping us to pray more as well. So for your gift to support Haven today, I want to send you what every child should know about prayer. Our number to call is 800 654 8365 haven Or better yet, go online and look at a sample from the book, read our new blog that's talking about Ukraine and Russia, stories from inside, what's going on now, and then you can make your gift there. Haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Now, we're thinking about praying in difficult times. That's what we've been doing all week. That's something Jesus knew about. Even in his final hours of a human life on this earth, he was praying. He was in the upper room with the disciples. They were sharing that final meal together, the Last Supper. And he taught them some final lessons and prayed for them that they would have peace and love and hope, even as troubles would surely come. Take courage. I have overcome the world, he told them. But Jesus not only prayed in that upper room with his disciples, he also prayed on the Mount of Olives, a place he'd spent a lot of time preaching and ministering to the hungry and downcast. He led his disciples there, and he prayed. Maybe you remember this story. Let's listen to it again. It's there in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, 
My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, death, if you've read the Gospels, was just around the corner. Jesus knew that, and he was troubled. Sometimes we have the idea that Jesus was stoic on his way to the cross, that he wasn't troubled, that he was resolute and unfazed. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, that idea is undone. Jesus' soul was overwhelmed with sorrow. He saw his death on the horizon, and it filled him with sorrow. The sin that had filled the world was going to be placed on his shoulders. He was going to bear the weight of that sin and was going to crush him. Though he was fully God, he was also fully human. And that side was feeling overwhelmed. And in that moment, he knew he had to pray. So he went off to meet with his heavenly father, and he brought three of his closest friends with him. Going a little farther, we're told in Matthew, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch! And pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, it certainly was time to pray. But here were the disciples, too tired, too weak. I feel like that often. And as I heard the news break about Ukraine and was in a hotel room and watching the news come on with reporters on both sides of Russia and Ukraine, I confess I felt too weak to even pray. What will my prayers even do for a situation that global, that huge? What can we possibly do for the Ukrainians who are right now suffering? But this story of Jesus in Gethsemane, praying to the Father in his time of most severe need, gives me hope. Jesus prayed when his death was inevitable. We can pray too, and this is the good part. Unjust invasions are not inevitable. And we can pray that the Lord intervenes, that different decisions are made. But more than that, just like Jesus in that garden, we can trust in the Father. We can know that he is good, that he cares for us, that he cares for the world. Now is our time to pray. But we don't just pray that war would end or that Russia would pull back its military and stop the bombing and terrorizing Ukraine. We pray that Christ would shine his light in the dark hearts of those who don't know him. Might I even suggest Vladimir Putin? And that people living in darkness will turn to Christ by faith and that they would embrace Jesus for salvation. We pray that Christians would stand firm, that they would continue to bear witness to his love, a love that was willing to die for us, a love that prayed for us before he died. This is what we pray, and the time to pray is now. Now let's return to the president to Mission Eurasia, himself a Ukrainian. Would you lead us in prayer, Sergei? Sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you, Charles. And let's pray. Let's pray for people in Ukraine, for its leaders, for church leaders, for pastors, for families, for communities that uh, are trapped in this strategy. Lord Jesus, we uh, 
come to you in a time like this and we know you are the source of all hope. You are the refuge for those who are looking who are looking for help. We come to you Father because we know you are in control. We pray against all evil, against all aggression. We pray Father you can destroy those uh, uh, plans to destroy Ukraine. We pray Father you protect the nation of Ukraine. We pray for the leaders. Give them wisdom to make a right decision and lead with courage and wisdom. We pray for the evangelical church, for the church overall in Ukraine. Give them strength and to become spiritual leaders in their nations so that their churches, their congregations become places where hope is communicated, where the gospel is preached, where people find refuge and spiritual support. We pray for communities, Father, so that uh, they uh, they uh, uh, find, you know, the right uh, safe place, you know, where they are looking, open more doors. We pray for the families in Ukraine. We pray that you, Father, will be glorified amid all this crisis and your gospel is preached and your love is, will be shining through the your people, your church in Ukraine. So we pray, Father, provide resources, all so much needed resources now for the evangelical church that are preparing a huge response to help those who are in need for food, for shelter, for counseling. We pray, Father, and commit all this situation with Ukraine into your mighty hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Keith and Kristen Getty and their version of Abide With Me here on Haven Today. Well, Nancy Guthrie was a bit surprised when she learned that her book for children about prayer was also being used by adults. This book is called What Every Child Should Know About Prayer. And Nancy does a wonderful job explaining what the Bible says about prayer in easy-to-understand words. It's laid out with helpful illustrations. It's packed with scripture and prayer prompts throughout. This book will encourage you to pray more, and it'll teach children how to pray too. So for your gift to Haven today, I want to send you today what every child should know about prayer. The number to call, and please call us right now, is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or remember our website. You can look at the book samples we have there. You can make your gift there. Our web address is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And don't forget to check out our live faith updates from Russia and Ukraine on our blog. You'll find stories, videos, audio interviews there about Christians in the midst of this war seeking to faithfully follow their Savior and at the same time love their enemies. Check it out at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to invite you now to come back and join me on Monday. We're going to learn to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. And until then, pray for Ukraine and pray for Russia. That's what we're about here. The great story that's all about Jesus on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Maybe we're the too-good-to-be-true generation. After all, between the infomercials on overnight TV and the guarantees of new products on the Internet, we're surrounded by the promises of easy living. But how many of these things really deliver? Most of us would say not many. But are there no promises we can really trust? Is everything that sounds good actually too good to be true? No, praise be to God. As Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, 6, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Jesus is Savior, and not just for one group of people. Anyone, anywhere, can call in his name and be saved. Get Anchor Devotional in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.